worried to be five minutes late, but I had uh, somehow I got two things in my counselor. There was this woman from Nigeria waiting to see me, and so I had to talk real fast. Anyway, oh my gosh, I'm here now. Wrong. Sorry. Um, it's so. I'm going to introduce, I've never introduced anybody over the phone, so this is kind of funny, but I'm with um, Logan Cook, who is in his fourth year of political science. Great. Hi, Logan. Hi, Dawn. Really nice to meet you. And Emily told me some exciting <laughs> things about your future. Oh, of course you did. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, yeah, so I guess we can get started. Um, we'll just do like a little introduction about who you are, if that's okay. Sure. Um, okay, perfect. So hi, everyone. Welcome to our podcast. I'm Emily Wheaton. I'm Logan Cook. And we have with us today the mayor of Moncton, Don Arnold. Hello. Hi, Emily and Logan. Really nice to be here. We're really excited to have you. Um, yeah, so I think municipal politics are really interesting. I 100% agree. Um, yeah, obviously Logan <laughs> agrees because he's running for municipal government. Um, yeah, so I kind of have a funny history with Dawn. I'm really lucky and fortunate that she has mentored me a lot. Um, I'm originally from Moncton, and yeah, I met Dawn when she was first running in 2016. It was 2016, right? think so yeah wow that's crazy yeah, <laughs> um yeah i met dawn in 2016 and i was very fascinated by her the first time i met her um i was too young to vote then but i definitely put her sign on my lawn um and when i was in high school i was lucky enough to be um a member of mayor's the moncton mayor's youth advisory council committee council council i think it's committee committee okay <laughs> Yeah, so I spent um, four years there, and I cannot thank everyone enough for that opportunity at um, the city of Moncton because I learned a lot about municipal politics. Um, and I was also fortunate enough to go door-to-door -door campaigning for Dawn in the 2021 municipal election. Um, yeah, so I definitely have a long history with Dawn, and... I've missed you a lot, Don, while I'm at university, so I'm excited to be speaking with you today. Uh, same, Emily. It has really been a, a huge delight for me to be able to watch you blossom and shine and be, you know, really show your your level of citizen engagement. It's, it's been really incredible to, to watch you, so I'm oh really gosh, thrilled. Oh gosh, thank you. I love hearing your voice, Don. <laughs> Um, so I wanted to talk, I guess, since I've talked about it, um, Mayor's Youth Advisory Committee and your involvement with youth in municipal politics, I've really loved how you've prioritized that. Um, it's been, uh, the committee has been a long thing with past mayors, but I've really loved how involved youth are in municipal government in Moncton. I was wondering if you could, I guess, talk about why that's important. Oh, sure. Um, thanks for that question, Emily. It's vitally important. I mean, the decisions that we make at the municipal level, I mean, they impact people's lives more intimately than any other level of government. But if we're making those decisions based solely on sometimes angry older people <laughs> that, you know, aren't maybe um, 
necessarily as open-minded or thinking to the future from a particularly a sustainability perspective, well, I don't think that's healthy. So having um, a youth advisory council has just, you're right, it is council, has been um, incredible because it's, We've really used them in a certain way, not used, but uh, consulted them as almost a focus group on a lot of different uh, issues in our community. And Emily, I believe that your group might have been part of the Downing Street. Is that true? Yeah, yeah, that was a big part. And also, um, we helped a lot with the introduction of the three garbage sorting. That's right. That's right. So these things are, so for example, just because Logan probably doesn't know, but we have a, a really important street uh, in, in our community right now that basically connects our main street right down to the riverfront, which is, you know, a real jewel in our in our community, our river. It's part of the UNESCO funded biosphere. You know, I say the pulse of the universe flows through our city every 12 hours when, the, you know, the, uh, the bore comes in. But we never had a really nice connection to it. We have a lot of parking in Moncton. And so when we were building Downing Street that was going to connect um, these two important places, like sort of City Hall, Main Street to the river, we knew we wanted to do something different. And uh, the Youth Advisory Committee or Council was just so integral in that decision. And they, they really stood up and said, listen, we want this to be a place where cars feel uncomfortable, but where pedestrians own it. And they really have achieved that. And it was through their guidance and their feedback on what they wanted to achieve for this road that it looks so cool now. And the really exciting thing about that is it's been instrumental in our whole vision for our downtown revitalization. It's it's kind of the center of it all. And now we have a very um, large local developer that has purchased the parking lots there and uh, is going to reestablish a street in our downtown core through these old parking lots and, you know, really revitalize this. But it was it was Downing Street and that kind of vision that the youth brought to it that has made has made this all possible, I really believe. Yeah. So that's why it's just really important that we hear these voices. We hear the people that you know, that have, you know you know, different values sometimes and different thoughts about the future. So that's why I love meeting with youth. I, I don't think I've ever said no to any meeting with youth because I find them really, really invigorating and uh, you know, just really creative thinkers so love that yeah so for I guess our listeners and Logan too so something cool that came from um, mayor's youth council was every year we did an event called youth fest and so all of the I think there were three um students that sat from each high school in um, Moncton and then we got to bring I don't remember how many exactly but we got to bring like I would say at least a dozen students to um, City Hall, Moncton City Hall for the day. And um, there was really good food and really good company. And we sat in um, the council chambers and we discussed issues that were important to us. And I think my favorite part of that was when counselors came and you two were there, Don. And we just got to know everybody. And my favorite part was that I taught a lot of people that politicians were approachable, even though they're in high positions. Um, and I think your your mayorship has been really useful in that. Um, yeah. 
You're right. The Youth Fest is re- it has inspired uh, a lot of people. And what's because this would be it's usually about a hundred students, and they come together, as you said, Emily, and they discuss real issues, like real things that we're dealing with. You know, whether it's um, homelessness and social concerns, or whether it's you know eliminating single-use plastic bags, or whether it's and I think you were involved in that one too. Yeah. Whether it's uh, you know, should we lower the voting age to 16? You know, really interesting, deep discussions. And uh, it's, it's just fantastic to be, to be able to, to do that together. So, Yeah, so, I, so it's kind of interesting. Logan and I um, last year took a class called Politics of Urbanization. Oh, neat. And we discussed the necessity of parks and sidewalks. And throughout, um, it was very, like, it was a very hands-on class. Um, and throughout it, we, I kept thinking about um, the par- the many parks in the city of Moncton and our beautiful trail, which I know that you take advantage of quite often. Oh, I do. Yeah. So something I've always really admired about you is that you're kind of everywhere. You're very easy to find, um, whether it's at the city market or um, Canada Day celebrations, or I've seen you multiple times on your bike on the trail. Um, So I guess I was wondering kind of what motivates you to lead the city in this way, because it's I think it's easy for politicians sometimes once they're elected to kind of step back and do a lot of internal work that maybe not everybody sees every day. Well, as far as using the, the trails, oh, that course, first of all, sounds really interesting, and you are so correct. Like, those community gathering spaces, whether they're, you know, outside our Avenir Center at the Oval, or parks, and, you know, we have major parks here. We have one of the largest nature parks in the country with the Irishtown Nature Park, Centennial Park, our Riverfront Park, plus all of our community parks. These are so important, and I think during COVID, they even... And, you know, it's interesting because people always say to me, oh, man, you know, COVID must have been hard. At the municipal level, we didn't really have the tough decisions regarding health and stuff, at least in New Brunswick, like they did elsewhere in the world. Some, Mm. some, Some municipal leaders elsewhere in the world had to make decisions about vaccines and stuff like that. We didn't have to do that. But one thing that we did have to do, and I felt very strongly about this from the very beginning, you know, when everyone was in that total state of panic, some people were saying, close down the parks, don't let people go outside. I'm like, no way. We have to keep our parks open. People need to be able to get outside and and be in nature. So, you know, we... (laughs) It seems silly now, but, you know, we kind of came up with one-way directions, and we worked around it so that people could get outside, because it's just so important. And, yeah, I'm a huge cyclist, and I really just do that for my mental health. And so, actually, I was able to bike Monday and Tuesday this week, or, yeah, uh, Tuesday, like, into November. Like, this is unheard of, so I'm pretty happy about that. So, I can technically say I've biked over six months this year, so, so... You know, for me, it's just a way to see the city in a different way, to be approachable. I always stop along the way. Someone's always asking me a question about something, or it just seems so much more, you know, humane and human-centered when you can actually just chat with people. And ironically, ironically now, I drove to work today because it's kind of cold, (laughs) and, uh, you know, traffic, you get sort of irrationally angry with traffic jams and just, you know, it's, uh, it's just a lot healthier to be on a bike on our trails. So. Yeah. So 
Thank you for speaking about that. Um, one of the kind of, I guess, benefits of COVID is, as a lot of people know, um, a lot of people from bigger cities, Ontario, out west, they moved to the Maritimes during the pandemic, um, which we welcome them with open arms. We're happy that our um, population is growing. Um, and speaking of that, the city of Moncton grew by roughly um, 7,600 people in the last five years. Um, it's one of the fastest growing populations under 40 among mid to large sized cities in the country. Um, with so many people coming to Moncton, I guess, how do we keep them here? Oh, yeah, great question. Uh, well, it's, it, it is quite overwhelming, I have to say, the, the growth. Yeah, we've grown by about 10.5% over the last five years, which is unheard of. We're the fastest growing census metropolitan area in the country right now wow. so that is very exciting <laughs> and the growth just continues and you know uh it's it's people moving from ontario and out west for sure but a lot of them are newcomers to canada as yeah well. and a lot of the people that are moving here um from internationally they're moving here for things that we take for granted peace order and good government um as i mentioned before we got started today i just had a woman here from nigeria we have so many Nigerians here. We have so many Brazilians here. A lot of people from um, Latin America right now. And they're coming for safety. I remember sitting in a living room of a Nigerian family that had three daughters. And I'm like, okay, so, you know, they're both professionals, both very well educated, had great jobs in Nigeria. And they just said, we were terrified that someone would come in and stab our family in the night. Like, wow. we don't understand that level of fear. So, that's part of the story, I think. So a lot of the people that have chosen to move here like that, you know, it is for those reasons. And they, they take it very seriously. They also take democracy very seriously, mm. which I, I like a lot. Because <laughs> I do worry about the future of democracy. But, uh, you know, it, it is a challenge right now. I, I, I won't lie in that we, um, you know, we have to ensure that our systems are are adapting and accommodating right now newcomers are waiting a year for a medicare card that's really hard if you have a young family you know you're really concerned about about their health care that's hard or waiting three months to get an appointment to get an appointment to get a driver's license uh, the good news on that one is they are using our transit system and giving me very good feedback on how we can <laughs> make it better so that's that's really good um but yeah, there, there are some challenges. As far as keeping people here, um, our, our stats are a lot better than they used to be. I, I think we need to be very intentional about um, the people that do come to and ensuring that they have the skills that we need. Right now, as everyone is very aware, um, you know, it's more medical, people in the medical field that we're really, really trying to attract, you know, nurses and special care workers and uh, um PSWs, that sort of thing. But another area that we really have to concentrate on, and I'll just put it out there, is we need skilled laborers. It's one of our biggest challenges right now as we grow as a city is accommodation. And if we are not able to build the apartments, the houses, the, the places for people to live, then this growth will stop. So it's been really interesting, and what I am so proud of and happy about is, is it's sort of the resurgence. 
resurgence of the mid-sized city. You know, a place like Moncton, mm-hmm. we're not, you know, an enormous metropolitan area. And people, particularly people with young families, really love that. The idea that, you know, you can live a sort of sane existence. You don't have crazy travel. It's safe. It's secure. You know, you can you can buy a house for a reasonable amount of money compared to elsewhere in the world. It, you know, it, it, it's kind of uh, exciting. And right now, from a workforce um, perspective, like this is a topic that I talk about with business leaders every single day. You know, they're really challenged to find workforce. So, so to your question, how do we keep them here? I think we're doing a better job of it, but it's also about, you know, ensuring that the people that are coming here are aligned with our values and also, you know, that they can have jobs because at the end of the day, they do need to, you know, find employment. Yeah. So some, I, a really big takeaway that I got from being um, on the youth council was how the municipal government interacts with federal and provincial governments. Um, I think levels of civic literacy are not necessarily at an all-time high right now. A lot of people don't understand, um, I guess, what the three levels of government um, do for them um, as citizens. And I was wondering if you could speak, I guess, maybe about housing. I know a lot of housing is a really big thing happening. Um, A housing crisis is happening in the province. And I know that some people turn to the municipal government, um, but you guys, all levels of government have to work together. I was wondering if you could discuss that. Oh, sure. Great question. Yeah, it is the, the topic du jour. It's, uh, it's, it's a real challenge for a lot of people. And um, particularly in the urban centers, we've seen such growth and we've seen a lot of larger sort of residential conglomerates come in and buy up some of the housing stock. And as they're doing that, as I'm sure everyone's aware, you know, they are raising rents and, you know, that is concerning for a, a lot of people. As you, as you mentioned, uh, housing like affordable housing rent control all that sort of thing is a provincial responsibility we don't have a a whole lot to do with that you are right though about civic literacy yeah (laughs) we do do hear from people saying you know i just got evicted what can you do for me it's a challenge for us i mean we don't we don't have anything to do with that so we can you know direct them and advise them on how they might be able to advocate for themselves and you know um affect some change from a um a municipal perspective, uh, some of the tools that we do have, and this, uh, some of these tools came about as a result of the local governance reform. So we uh, were given the opportunity to do something called inclusionary zoning, um, which means basically that uh, we could mandate that developers have to you know, build a certain number of, uh, you know, affordable units in anything that they build. Okay. But this is a challenge. So uh, we've come together with St. John, Fredericton, Moncton, Dieppe, and Riverview, and we um, um, did a, a, a consult. We hired a consultant to, to really dig in deeply on this. And the challenge is our market is just not there for this yet. And ironically, I was speaking to a friend in Denver, Colorado the other day, and she was telling me that they've 
instituted really, really strict inclusionary zoning um, in, in, in Denver because, you know, affordable housing is an issue everywhere. Yeah. And what they've done is they've basically put a $300,000 per door price tag on it on developers if they don't build inclusionary zoning and their development has just stopped. Mm. Nobody's building anything. So it's kind of a fine dance between, you know, carrot and stick on these things. So uh, as a, a province right now, at least among the urban centers, we're not seeing that we're able to do the inclusionary zoning. So we're really looking deeply at what are some of the other things that we could offer that are more carrot related, you know? Um, so if, say, uh, a developer wants to build a building and we have height restrictions, well, we'll say to them, listen, if you put some... Um, uh, a couple more floors in uh, that are affordable or some affordable units in it will we'll go past the height restriction or often it's about parking in Moncton in particular and uh, you know they're saying well we really don't want to build all that parking we don't feel we need it we'll say okay don't build the parking but you know put in a certain percentage of, of affordable housing um, Canadian Mortgage and Housing Corporation also is doing a lot of really good work uh, it's been, I think, very frustrating for a lot of developers, particularly locally, to deal with them because it's very complicated and complex. And uh, But I, I think they are streamlining their process a bit more. I've seen a couple of applications that have come through here at Moncton uh, through our urban planning where where uh, they, they are putting, you know, market affordable housing in. Um, additional to that, uh, one of the big things that we did do as a municipality, and this is unheard of across the country, I literally had mayors from across the country saying, don't do that, don't do that. But we put $6 million as a municipality into Rising Tide, which is uh, a very affordable kind of um, housing for our most vulnerable in our community. Those with really high acuity needs that just can't fit into market housing. So that was a huge thing for us as a city to do. But to your point on civic literacy, people don't really understand mm. which level of government is responsible and they just want it fixed. Yeah. And it's landing on our doorstep. So we stepped up and that's a very significant way for a city to, to do it. And um, they're, they're coming along. They, too, are challenged by some of the, you know, supply chain issues and workforce and that sort of thing. But units are opening all the time. Yeah, so something that, um, I mean, homelessness has always been an issue in the city of Moncton. Um, but I think it's come a lot more to top, like, to the table um, in the past couple of years. And... I learned a lot through May. I know I can't stop talking about Mayor's Youth Advisory Committee, but it was one of the best experiences. Um, I learned a lot about how, like, there's no cookie-cutter answer to solving homelessness. Um, but the CBC reported that in the city of Moncton, um, there's around 400 people um, who are experiencing homelessness right now, and around 160 will be able to stay. Um at shelters like the House of Nazareth and Harvest House. There have been pop-up wet shelters um, throughout Moncton in the recent years. Are there plans for more um, as we get into colder months? Well, you, you make some excellent points there, Emily. Yeah, there, there, there is sadly no silver bullet when it comes to um, homelessness 
it's a very complex issue. Um, on the out of the cold shelter topic, this is obviously something that I deal with every single day, and we've been advocating very hard with uh, with the province. Uh, they have heard us, and um, I I can't say what the plans are right now, but I feel very assured that there will be an out of the cold shelter that will open. Will it be big enough? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it's it's a really big challenge, but we know that we need something that is barrier free in our community. Um, you know, Harvest House is doing fantastic work in our community, and I just am a huge advocate for them. But they really, their model is very much people have had to, you know, make a decision that they want to change their lives yeah. to go in there. Um, House of Nazareth has has had a bit of, well, quite a number of challenges over the last couple of years, but I do believe they are, you know, they're, they're, they've got an operational plan now. I haven't seen it, but I understand that they do, and, you know, really making some good inroads there. We need an out-of-the-cold shelter. We need a place where people, even if they are actively um, consuming um, substances, uh, can go, or we will have people that die on our streets this year. So it's, it's very, very important um, that it is barrier-free and that it's um, uh, accessible to all. So, um, but that's a challenge. I mean, that's really tough. We had a church that stepped up last year in their basement, uh, Father Chris Van Buskirk at uh, his uh, church just around the corner from City Hall. And it, it, these are, these are um, citizens with, you know, very high needs, and you need trained professionals. It, mm. It's just it's really challenging for places like churches to be able to deal with these extreme issues. And the truly sad part of all of this, and which haunts me, uh, is that we know that 30 to 35% of the people that are living on our streets right now went through our child protection system. So that says to me that we have a very broken system. And uh, we have to do better, and we got to go upstream and figure out or I guess downstream, and, and uh, you know, what's, what's happening? Like, how can we do better? How can we, you know, ensure that families have what they need to survive? And, and, and how can we ensure that children have food to go to school so that they can learn? And, you know, how can we just do better as a society so that people have the tools and the ability to, to be, you know, productive members of society and, and, and don't get into these states. So as, as a community, I don't believe we've done enough over the years. I think we're, try, we're playing a bit of a game of catch-up right now and trying to do better, but there is a lot of work to do yet. And the other side of it is that, you know, as a city flourishes and has all of this uh, success, like Moncton is, uh, you know, seeing right now, we do become a magnet. You know, people want to come here. They want to be part of it. And we have a lot of services in our community right now. Um, my goal is to move toward a slightly different model, and it's partly through the uh, Regional Service Commission. As you may be aware, the Regional Service Commissions are taking over certain responsibilities, like regional economic development, tourism, and the other one that is, will happen in January of, of 2024, which is not that far off, is that the Regional Service Commissions will take on a role when it comes to probably housing and affordable housing. So what does that look like? Well, from my perspective, I think it needs to be led 
um, by an arm's length non-governmental organization that really has accountability foremost in their minds because we all contribute to this and so many people in our community are doing such good work but we need we need measurable outcomes we need to ensure that the the work that we're doing as a community is really affecting the positive change that we need and so it's it's great and it's wonderful that people collect dry socks and water bottles but we need we need to ensure that the people that are most at risk are getting the help that they need that they're getting those wraparound services the mental health the addiction services that they need so that they can you know uh you know improve their their situation so it is super complex <laughs> emily yeah, so I guess um, for our listeners, because I didn't actually know this until I got really involved in municipal government, um, the difference between a wet and a dry shelter. So um, the two, I believe both of the um, shelters, I know Harvest House for sure is a dry shelter, um, meaning that you can't be under the influence of drugs or alcohol when you um, are looking for services and help. Um, wet shelters, on the other hand, are the opposite. Um, and there have been pop-up wet shelters, I guess, um, throughout the years to address when it gets really cold in the um, city of Moncton. Um, something else that has a kind of along this line um, that I wanted to talk about was drug paraphernalia a- around the city. Um, it's not uncommon to find um, needles and things like that in certain areas of the city. I know some businesses and schools have been finding them. Um, in the area. Um, the CBC reported that, I, I guess I'm really into the CBC, I've realized from this, um, the CBC have reported that around roughly 20 drug-related deaths have occurred in the city since the start of um, 2022. I was wondering, I know there's, um, I believe it's still in place. Um, I'm not currently living in Moncton, but I know when I was living in Moncton, there was um, like a drug uh, paraphernalia cleanup task force going on in the city. I was wondering if you could speak about that um, and what the city of Moncton is doing about that. Sure. Uh, Thank you, Emily. So uh, I want to preface this by saying that um, I'm I'm part of the Harvard Bloomberg Leadership Initiative. So I meet with mayors all over North America on a regular basis. And every single mayor is dealing with this. This is happening everywhere. The drugs are bad but let's just think about someone that is maybe you know in that state but they don't have a place to live yeah you know and here's the situation you know uh, there are many adults in our society that go to the liquor store and you know buy a bottle of wine or a case of beer for the weekend that is a drug as well and you know it's a wine festival here in Moncton this weekend but they know that what they're taking is not going to kill them. Like, I know that if I have a glass of wine, I'm not going to die as a result of that. The state in our city right now is that the drugs are bad, and there is no guarantee that, that you know, this drug that you're taking that is super affordable, unfortunately, which is real is a real problem with this uh, crystal meth, is that it is just really cheap to make and it's just so destructive to people. So they're not in a really great state if they're, you know, currently without shelter, they're sitting on our streets, they're, you know, trying to find a warm place to go to to use these drugs. Um, 
and I'm not condoning the drug use in any way, but they're not probably thinking about where the needles are going mm-hmm. in that state. So it all comes back to housing and housing with, you know, safe, secure housing with the proper wraparound services, the mental health, the addictions, the counselors that can give people the help they need to get out of this situation. As far as the city, we certainly do. Uh, anybody can call anytime. We'll go pick up needles where, wherever they they are. We have we've currently doubled our uh, bylaw officers and community officers. Uh, there is a proposal before council during a budget process next week to hire twenty five more RCMP officers. Oh wow! I don't believe, yeah, I don't. I mean, I don't know where that's going to go, but. I, uh, I don't believe that um, we will police our way out of this. I, I, I really don't because people say, well, there's someone, they're shooting up in my, my um, front door, you know, come and arrest them. You know, it's, uh, what are you going to do? You're going to arrest someone. It is a, a legal substance, but our justice system also has some issues right now. Yeah, and there's no sustainability in it. Yeah, exactly. So, again such a complex issue but the needles are a result of people not having a safe place to go so kind of switching to another topic um good that that i think is really interesting um so yeah like i said i grew up in the city of moncton um i grew up in a bilingual environment um especially i was talking to logan about this because he kind of thought it was I guess, interesting that like 50% of the work that we did in um, Mayor's Youth Council um, was in French. And I didn't really realize until I moved out of the city that there's like pockets of New Brunswick that there's not many Francophones. And I really miss that aspect of Moncton and um, Riverview and Dieppe. I was wondering if you could speak to, I guess, the nature of Francophone culture in Moncton um, and how it can be fostered or how it has been fostered what a great question it's so timely right now it is very yeah especially yeah especially um, with what's currently happening at the provincial level yeah yeah it's very concerning to a lot of people i mean bilingualism is one of our core values at the city of moncton it's been 20 years since we've been an officially bilingual city and i have to say it is why we are successful it is a very Mm -hmm. big reason for why we are successful it's part of our unique selling position as a community and it's it's where the magic happens it's that fact of french francophones and anglophones harmoniously living together and i'm just such a big believer that we are better when we when we can, you know, be open-minded, see the see the other, understand, and um, not to get all literary on you, but Northrop Fry had this great quote about, you know, it's the it's not necessarily the friction, but let's just think you're you're writing something in English and then you're translating it into French. Well, when you go through that process, you get to the other language and you're like, oh, what do I really mean there? So you become better in your first language. And I use that analogy to really describe what goes on in Moncton. We, we bring those two cultures together in such a meaningful way that I think we are better as a, as a community and as a society. And um, I hope you miss Moncton lots, Emily, because <laughs> I hope you'll come back here. <laughs> So that's also, we, um, Logan and I are currently in a provincial politics class, and 
Um, every week our prof makes an analogy that we're getting in a minivan and going across the country on a road trip. And we were talking about Quebec a couple weeks ago and um, we had a guest speaker, Mireille Lalancette, and she was talking about how um, a lot of people come to the province of Quebec, um, they immigrate because it's a French-speaking province and there's so many French-speaking um, countries. And I was like, wait a second, so many people come to the city of Moncton, immigrate here for things like UDM. There's like, it's, I find that really fascinating that I don't think a lot of people really fully understand until you've experienced it that yeah there's like Acadian francophone culture but there's also immigration um, francophone culture which I find really interesting in the city of Moncton yeah I mean it's, it's huge uh, and you know we have a goal of uh, increasing francophone immigration to to our community um, we're, we're a little below the goal right now, but it is a big, uh, it's a big push. And uh, recently, oh, Emily, you got to come back and go have coffee at the Bricks Experience because I sat yes. there a couple weeks ago. It's phenomenal. And, uh, with our, our MP, uh, Jeanette Pettipaw-Taylor, we solved all the issues in the world. But she, her portfolio right now is official languages yeah. for the nation. So we, we talked extensively about, you know, just the importance of particularly la francophonie, bringing, bringing newcomers here from uh, French countries. Uh, and uh, so there is, a, there is a real push on that. And she assured me of something I've been advocating for for the longest time, and that is an IRCC uh, office, and that's Immigration, Refugees, oh. and Canadian Citizenship, I believe, IRCC. And there will be an office in our community, which we just have needed for so long. And I think that, too, will be another tool to help us to achieve the goals that, that we are hoping for. Yeah, that's amazing. Okay, so I've got a few questions. They're very broad topics. My first... <coughs> God, my voice. Sorry, Sorry Logan's been a little bit sick. <laughs> oh, no. My first question is, do you have any advice of people wanting to run for political office? For sure I do. Um, I think it's doing things like Emily has done, stepping up, serving on committees, boards, commissions. I mean, I name people to probably over 40 of them in our in our community. And uh, I feel that by sitting on some of these boards, uh, you really learn a lot about the community and governance and that sort of thing. And uh, it's also a way for people to get to know who you are as well. So I, I, I really encourage people to, to sit on boards, agencies and commissions uh, before they get into elected office. Secondly, um, go to council meetings, find out what's going on. And I, I have a confession to make uh, before I ran for politics. I did go to a couple of them and I thought, oh my goodness, these are the most boring things I can <laughs> imagine. I remember the one I went to, it was that, that current council had an obsession with the quality of the paint that we were using to paint the lines on the roads. And I thought, there is no way I could do this. But the interesting thing is, once you get into it and you know the backstory and you, you understand the complexities and, and interesting aspects of all of this, and you get educated a bit, it becomes quite interesting, I have to say. So, um, so I, really, I really encourage people to attend those council meetings. Also, if you're thinking of running, reach out to current counselors or mayor. And, you know, not many people will say no, particularly to a young person who has this interest. So take them out for coffee, 
So I actually just wanted to make like a little um, side note for our listeners. I know, like I said at the beginning of when we started talking with you, Don, um, a lot of people think politicians are scary, um, but they're everyday people and they represent you. Like that's why they're elected. And I don't think enough people take advantage of that. Um, and oh, I totally agree. Totally agree. Yeah. Like, like every single public council meeting we have, we have taught any citizen that wants to bring forward any topic that has, I mean, has to be a municipal topic, um, they have five minutes. They can come in and yeah. speak And you know what? We don't hear from a lot of youth there. We yeah. Really I was going to say, like, I so basically at the end of every year through mayor's youth advisory committee we talked to council about what we did and any time that I attended any of those meetings they welcomed me with open arms they love having youth there oh absolutely absolutely Emily yeah so I guess that's my little plug to get really involved in council meetings because yeah there's some parts well hopefully we're not talking about paint but there are parts that might be a little bit dry um but they're very interesting oh yeah paint drying that's funny (laughs) sorry logan you have other questions yes uh this is the question i've asked everyone we've interviewed what are your opinions on changing the the electoral system away from first past the post oh Oh, wow, Logan, that's, that's a big one. Uh, you know what? I honestly don't know enough about it to speak uh, articulately on it. I do know that some places in Ontario, like I grew up near London, Ontario, and I know that they've done it successfully. Um, but I, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't really have a, a, a knowledgeable opinion on that. <laughs> My last question is, You've been mayor for six years. You've seen people in Moncton seem to like you. Do you have any aspirations to run for higher office, like MLA or MP? Oh, well, Logan, um, at this time, I have three and a half years left in this term because, as you may be aware, um, during COVID, uh, we were supposed to have a four-year mandate, and it was increased to a five-year mandate. And then I ran again supposed to be a four-year mandate mandate, and they increase it to five years because of the local governance reform. So with three and a half more years at the helm of the city of Moncton, I got my work cut out for me, so I'm just going to focus on being the, the best leader I can be for our community. But thank you for the question. Um, as we wrap up, I was just wondering if you could speak a little bit. Um, I guess as a young woman myself, I've been really um, inspired and in awe of um, having a woman in office in the office that you hold and I know you faced challenges as a woman like every woman has in politics um, I think specifically about some not so great misogynistic type comments um, that were liked by your um, opposition in the last municipal election I was wondering if you could talk about I guess maybe the importance of having more representation in government. Yeah, well, as they always say, you can't you can't be what you can't see. So. Ooh, I like that. Well, it's important, huh? And I I believe that with more women stepping up, I, I mean, our voices are so important around dis- decision making tables. I mean, that's why I ran because I felt that women's voices were not being heard enough. We bring a very different take to things, 
And I believe that we make better decisions when there is a diversity of voices around those decision-making tables. So, yeah, we, we, we need more women to step up. And one of my, my mantras has always been, change the game, don't let the game change you. Apologies Ooh. to Macklemore. And the idea <laughs> is that, you know, like we need to make politics a more humane endeavor. It doesn't have to be a nasty business. Mm. Like we can, we can work across party lines. We can, if, if we're really in it to enhance the quality of life of our citizens, which I think is the ultimate goal to be a servant leader, um, then we, we have to get past petty politics and egos and that sort of thing so that we can, we can do better for our citizens. And, you know, I'm totally committed to that. Thank you, Dawn. I really, both of us really appreciate you coming on the podcast. Well, thank you both. It's, I hope to meet you, Logan, in person someday, maybe at a municipal function once you, where, where, where are you running? Uh, it's uh, Eastern Charlotte. It's down the St. George area, west of St. John. Oh, cool. Well, that's great. And I hope someday to be able to go door-to-door campaigning with Emily Wheaton. Oh, thank you, Dawn. Door-to-door campaigning, that was... In Moncton, Emily. That was such an interesting experience because I did it in 2021. Yeah. Yeah, so I'm definitely glad that hopefully next time we go door-to-door campaigning, it doesn't have to be as socially distanced. Yeah, no kidding, huh? Yeah, that was not the real experience. Yeah. Anyway, thank you. Thank you, you. guys. Really appreciate it. It was a lot of fun. Have a great weekend, Dawn. You too. See ya. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I'm going to wrap it up. Okay, so this has been our interview with Don Arnold, the mayor of Moncton. Lovely guest. My -hmm. name's Logan with my co-host Emily, and this has been episode five of the Manifesto Podcast. Thank you. Woo!